In trying times like these, we need some good examples to follow. And Pastor Ed Taylor believes we have that in Daniel. I believe Jesus Christ in these last days is stirring up his church to rise to the call of the darkness of the age. It's not a time for us to cave in. It's not a time for us to, to go inward and to try to protect what we have. But rather it's to take what we have and to use it for the glory of God. And what we're going to learn is that Daniel stands as an example to follow. An example of tenacity. An example of commitment. An example of unwavering obedience. And that's personally what I want in my life. This is amazing grace. We're just getting our feet wet in our new study of Daniel here on Abounding Grace. Glad you could join us as we begin another week together. Last time, Pastor Ed Taylor introduced us to Daniel and focused on the purity we find in his life. Daniel was not only a man of purity, but as we'll begin to see today, he was also a prophet. So this book is very much about purity and prophecy, two things we really need to focus on in days like these. Here's Pastor Ed. Would you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, as we're on these introductory studies to help us understand where we're headed and really what the book is about. So we've just begun this exciting study through the fascinating Old Testament book of Daniel, and what great things await us. We learned last time of this phrase, and I quote, dare to be a Daniel. And as you hear that phrase, it's a call. It's one of those cliche type phrases, but it has great meaning. You know, some phrases get used so much that they lose their meaning and then they just kind of get uh, set apart as a cliche. But what I have found that often the phrases that are labeled cliche are actually pretty weighty when you pause to examine them. And this is one of them. God's call for our church and those that have made our midweek Bible study a, a part of their, of their week is to dare to be a Daniel, to be a man of integrity, to be a woman of honesty, to be a man or a woman ready to be used by God in very difficult circumstances. Circumstances that would be very easy to dismiss as not from God. To be in the court, to be kidnapped, to be re-educated, to be separated from your family, to, to be placed in a, in a governmental position of an ungodly, wicked, pagan nation. You go, what, what could any of these be, how could any of these be used by God? I wonder what the circumstances are in your life that just make you question, how could these possibly be used of God? How is this possible? I don't, I don't understand it. I don't see how they could possibly be used. And I'm sure Daniel, given the chance, could ask the same questions as he examines his life. I believe Jesus Christ in these last days is stirring up his church to rise to the call of the darkness of the age. It's not a time for us to cave in. It's not a time for us to, to go inward and to try to protect what we have. But rather it's to take what we have and to use it for the glory of God. And what we're going to learn is that Daniel stands as an example to follow. 
an example of tenacity, an example of commitment, an example of unwavering obedience. And that's personally what I want in my life. I want to grow in these areas. I want to live an upright. I want to live a life that is dedicated and unreserved, honoring God with my life. The church is to be known, the church of Jesus Christ is to be known for their boldness and their courage and their love. That's the greatest evidence of your relationship with Jesus Christ is you love. You have a love that can't even be explained. Some of you have an expression of love that's so contrary to how you used to be. It, people are really concerned about you and wondering why such a drastic change. And some people in your life, they're waiting you out because they're testing you. They don't quite believe the drastic change. They don't quite believe the evidence. They're, they're, not, they're not like skeptical, but at the same time, there's a little bit of skepticism. You could say holy skepticism, where they're waiting it out. And yet the most dramatic response, or the most dramatic, obvious, outward change in a person's life when they're born again, is love. And in many ways, we're learning in life as believers, to love like we've never been hurt before. Because as you face all the difficulties of life, and you're hurt, and you're maligned, and you're misused, and you watch what's happening in the world today, and that hurts you. And it's not just personal things, it's also typical things, and social things, and cultural things. It's easy to no longer be loving, but rather what we're seeing in the broader scope of the world in the last days is exactly what God said would happen. That there would be a coldness of heart. The love of many would grow cold. And as a pastor and a fellow believer, I've witnessed this firsthand. I've seen cold-hearted nastiness in people. With my own eyes, like in my, in my presence. And not just in a tragic way, but in an everyday way. Not just things that lead to great tragedy as we have recently experienced in our community, but, but in everyday, everyday life, just nasty meanness. And here's the thing as we're entering into the backdrop of Daniel. I'm greatly concerned, church. I'm greatly concerned, community, those that are listening on the radio, that the church is losing its love relationship with Jesus Christ. Those that claim to follow him tend to be filled with so much anger and frustration and gossip and slander and just basic human opinions that are loveless. What I see on social media troubles me. It troubles me so much that I'm no longer active on Facebook because I simply cannot take people in the church that I pastor reading what they're writing on social media. I can't take it. It rises up the flesh in me. I no longer am in a place when I read it, I don't pray anymore. I get mad. I mean, it's been a while, so maybe things have changed since I've been off. But I don't think so. It's been well over. I forget the date. I think at least a year and a half for me because I just couldn't take it. And I was making this, hey man, I know that brother. I served with him on Sunday and I'm calling him up. What are you doing? Why are you writing this stuff? Where's the gospel and what you're saying? 
Where's the redemptive quality? Where's the love? Yeah, but you don't understand, Ed. I, you're right, I don't understand. You're right. That, that would be an accurate statement. But that's my personal application of the Scripture that says to stay innocent in things that are evil and to be excellent in those things that are good. I don't want to understand. Because you see, all of that stuff, the flesh is in me too. I'm not immune to that. I have opinions too. I have, especially if you catch me in a bad moment, I have opinions that would be better kept to myself and prayed over, but occasionally will come out of my mouth. And they're not God-honoring. And they're not honoring to the gospel. And they're not honoring to the change of agape love in me. And I'm certainly not reflecting the life of Daniel who was able to stand with some semblance of integrity in worse conditions than I've ever experienced. But church, we've lost our love. Some of you may be looking at this and go, you know, Ed, I'm, I'm, I agree. Amen, Ed. I'm not on Facebook anymore either. But how are you at work? Well, we're not talking about work, Ed. You didn't say that. You don't understand who I work for. You don't understand what they just did to me. You don't understand. It's always about not understanding. But I just want to be excellent in understanding the love of God for me. It melts me. I, I don't want my opinions in my life to be so monumental that it prevents me from loving someone from looking past the outward and seeing the heart of the matter or the heart of a person. The Bible says, and you can jot it down, this is the New Living in Colossians chapter 3. It says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. And listen to this, Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Let heaven fill your thoughts do not think only about things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Fill your thoughts with heaven. I think of some of the difficulties in our culture. I think it's pretty obvious to most looking on the darkness of sin. Even if they don't use the word sin. Evil is evident. And the only thing to match evil is the love of God. Daniel is going to challenge us to live a life that pleases God. Not a religious life. Not a false, go through the motions life. Not a life that just pleases my parents or pleases my spouse. Not a life because I have to. But a life so filled with appreciation for the love of God that our responses I get to. If you, have a, if you make an observation of the world that it's evil, you're right. Say it one time and be done with it. It is evil. So what are we going to do now? Yeah, but Ed, it's another facet of evil. I know. And where's the church? Where's the light? And how is it going to be in every area? You see, the book of Daniel, as we learn, is a book of both purity and prophecy. Purity. Daniel was a man of purity. So as we study through the book of Daniel, there'll be very practical, practical applications for us to live a life of purity. Do you know that the Bible teaches us in 2 Timothy that grace, when we understand grace properly, it actually teaches us to live a holy life? Grace leads us to holy living. Do you know that the Bible says that as we anticipate the coming of the Lord, that this hope purifies us? Marks of love are... Is pure. One of the marks of true love is purity. And there's just something about love and purity 
and holiness that's attractive to a person that's trapped in their own sin. They may not say it. Truly, the people that are most attracted to purity and holiness usually put you down for it because there's an offense to your life and their life. There's an offense of the peace you enjoy. And, you know, if we're not careful, we'll start taking it personal, but it's actually not personal. Remember, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Daniel is a man of purity. As we study the life of Daniel and his friends, we'll see in his lives, as I've said, real commitment. If you have a problem with commitment, Daniel will help you. If you have a problem making commitments and not keeping them, Daniel will help you. If you have a problem of, of making a commitment, kind of sticking with it, and then fall, Daniel will help you. But not just with commitment, but secondly, also with conviction. Not political conviction, not cultural, not philosophical, but true godly conviction. Daniel will help you with that. What does it look like with, for a man? What does it look like for a woman to take a godly stand? Well, ask Daniel. Watch his life. Daniel was a man of conviction. And not just commitment and conviction, but thirdly, Daniel was a man of real courage, boldness, standing up for, for his God in the midst of a godless society in very trying times. Our study over the next few months is an inspirational learning experience from a real man. Not only is it a book of purity, as we've seen in a previous study, but it's also a book of prophecy. And this is where oftentimes the Bible is where the rubber meets the road. Prophecy. One of the greatest evidences that this book is divine in origin and not human is it's the power of its prophetic word. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the word prophecy, let me give you a simple definition. Prophecy speaks of the future. Many times when the Bible is speaking of prophecy, it is making a prediction on the future. God is making a prediction on the future. And as Jesus taught us, Daniel was a prophet. God used Daniel to speak forth into the future. And really, for you that are new to the Bible, Daniel is one of the most important books, and some say, if not the most important book in all of the Bible. You know, Daniel is the key that unlocks revelation for us and helps us grasp what God has in store for the end times. Daniel is that book that inspires trust and hope in us because we meet God who knows all. He reveals to us those things that we must know. Remember that phrase? Maybe you use that. Maybe your kids are asking you about X, Y, Z, and you look at your kids, you cop an attitude as a parent. Sometimes parents cop an attitude. So you're copping an attitude. You're on a need-to-know basis. And I'll tell you when you need to know. Anybody ever use that phrase? Okay, a few of you. All right. A little hard edge. Well, many times in our lives, without the hard edge, God reveals to us, look, church, you're on a need-to-know basis. And you'll know when it's needful. And that's how it is with prophecy. We're on a need-to-know basis. And what God wants to reveal to us, he reveals to us. I was speaking uh, to, I think it was to the guys this afternoon. I'm not sure, but um, I think it was with the pastors when we were meeting today that it's important. We use the phrase in the world, trust your gut. But for the believer, you have more than your gut. You have the Holy Spirit. 
And so I train the guys to trust their first instinct. It's probably from the Lord. You know, what I often refer to as the Holy Spirit alarm in your life. Don't ignore the warnings of the Holy Spirit in your life. He may be revealing something to you. You don't have to overreact. Overreact to one side of the, and, and you have an impression and you just flip out on the one side and you act, accuse and point fingers. Don't overreact on one side, but also don't overreact on the other side and just ignore it. You have an impression, pray over it and wait for God to give you more. You have a, uh, especially in that, that sense of relationship, you know, you gals or guys, you're getting into a relationship, but the Holy Spirit alarm is saying something's not quite right. Put the brakes on. You don't have to slam the brakes so you run into the windshield. Just put the brakes on and slow down. Don't ignore that first impression. You may or may not be right, but don't ignore it, especially when it's on the negative side. Put the brakes on and slow down. Don't rush into it. Give God room to work. Give the Holy Spirit room to reveal. And with prophecy, God reveals what we need to know in advance. It's often been said that prophecy is the calling card of God because only God can predict the future with 100% accuracy. Now, it's been some time since I've seen on the newsstand, you know, those people that say they can predict the future. Now they have shows on YouTube, you know, where they're, they're on there and they say they can speak to the dead and they can figure everything out about. It's all fake and demonic. It's either demonic or manipulation tricks. Because only God knows the future. And so somebody says, I'm going to predict the future. I think in Colorado, it's going to change in the weather in the next five days. Sometimes in the next five minutes. And then it changes. Oh, I'm not. Hey, I am not a prophet. So I'm not speaking with prophecy. That is an example but yeah, somebody comes, oh, you know, uh, the sun's uh, going to rise in the morning. You wake up, the sun rose in the morning. Come on now. What you're going to find with God is he is precise with details that no one else would know. So it's not like something on the National Enquirer with all these weird things. Oh, so-and-so, uh, she, she is a prophetess. She can tell the future. She was able to tell the future last year with 70% accuracy. Well, the Bible declares someone that's 70% accurate a false prophet. Because a true prophet of God is 100% accurate. Why? Because God's 100% accurate. And anyone speaking on behalf of God with this prophetic word has to be accurate. Draw it down in Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 25. Again, all introductory as we'll jump into the text next time. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 25. I am the Lord and I speak and the word which I speak will come to pass. You know, turn your Bibles to that. You've got to mark this. I'm reading it from my notes, but you've got to mark this. This is so key. For all the people that are skeptical about the prophetic edge of God, all those that are skeptical, God lays it on the line. So go back to Ezekiel and turn to chapter 12. It's just to the left. And notice, mark it, put a star next to it, circle it. Exodus 12 verse 25. Listen to what he says. I'll read it again. For I am the Lord and I speak, and the word which I speak will come to pass. It will no more be postponed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word, and check this out, and perform it, says the Lord God. So when you look forward with prophecy, God says, I say it, 
and I'll perform it. You can count on me. But jot this one down. I'll just read it to you. When looking back on prophecy, looking back on the word of God, listen to this. This is so powerful. We saw this not too long ago in our study in Kings. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he had promised. There is not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. Not one word. You see, when God says it, he doesn't adjust it when it doesn't come to pass. He said, if God says something precisely and it doesn't happen, it wasn't from God. But when somebody says something and it doesn't happen, we know it's not from God because it gets changed. Well, well, no, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said you meant. With prophecy from God, that's not how it is. God says it, it's not edited. And it comes to pass just like he says. And so if you find if you have to edit something or adjust it because it didn't come to pass the way you said it, when you said it, the time you said it, just admit it. It wasn't from the Lord. Because if it was from the Lord, it would have come to pass exactly the way that you said it came from him. Prophecy often will make us scratch our heads. You'll hear a word or from revelation, a warning, an encouragement, and, and you'll say to the Bible, you'll just, how did you know that? How do you really know that's going to happen? You come to, to a place where I've heard that all my life, but I just don't believe it. Can, can you think of, think of the moment just a few years ago, just the year before Israel became a nation. Just one year, 365 days. And how you look back on all the previous years that God would gather his people together. That once again, the dry bones would be made alive. You just start thinking over and over and over again the promises of Israel. And 365 days, I've heard that my whole life. 364 days, I've heard that my whole life. And it's 360, all the way up, you're down to 30 days before the declaration. 30 days, just 30 days, just a month. Hey, you know what? Israel's going to be named. I've heard that. I've heard it. Just 28 days, just 15 days. Can you imagine two days? All the wranglings, all the different negotiations, all the things, all through all the wars, through everything that was happening. Just two days, just one day. And then boom, he stands up and says, I declare Israel is a sovereign nation. And you're like, can you imagine seeing that with your own eyes? Some of you did see that with your own eyes. You experienced that. That's something you experienced in your lifetime with your own eyes. Some of you were born the same year. Some of you were born 10 years prior. Some of you were born the same year and you're like, this happened in my year. I was a baby. I didn't know it. I was naked most of the time crying, but it happened my year. Prophecy will just say, man. And you open up the scriptures. And as you're looking at various things, you open up. You'll be able, as we finish the book of Daniel, to open up and show them. And you'll be able to show them in the past how the Babylonian Empire ruled, only to be overthrown by the Medo-Persians, then by the Greeks, and finally the Romans, and how it was all predicted hundreds of years before it ever happened. You just can't make this stuff up. The word of prophecy is sure as sure can get. We're getting to know Daniel the prophet today on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. If you'd like to hear this message or previous studies in the series, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen to us through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. 
We also offer a podcast, and look for that where you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, authored by Mark Rogop. Now, this book seeks to restore the lost art of lament and will help you discover the power of honest wrestling with the questions that come with grief and suffering. We'll send you the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Request it right now when you call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And please remember, we are listener-supported. Simply put, that means we look to our listeners to help us with the cost of being on the radio. Large or small, your gift will be greatly appreciated and used to point people to the abounding grace found in a relationship with Jesus and through the study of His Word. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. We'll return to our series next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.